Thanks for joining us for this Field Talk podcast from the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. The agricultural sector posted its best export year ever in 2022, with international sales of U.S. farm and food products reaching $196 billion. Final 2022 trade data released by the Commerce Department shows that U.S. ag exports increased 11% from the previous record set in 2021. May is World Trade Month, which draws attention to the contributions of global trade. Kerry Sifferth is Vice President of the U.S. Grains Council. He joins this Field Talk podcast to discuss how grain, grain products, and livestock exports contribute to farmers' bottom line. U.S. Grain Council, you know, we develop markets and promote exports of U.S. corn, barley, and sorghum, as well as their co-products, um, which the big ones uh, these days are um, grain-based ethanol exports, as well as uh, corn co-products uh, like distillers dried grains with solubles or DDGS. Um, but we're, and we're seeing more ethanol plants um, expanding into uh, and modifying uh, their produ- ethanol production inc- that's creating some of these, uh, some people call them, some, some products are called high protein DDGS and some are called, you know, corn fermented protein. Uh, but we're, we're starting to pull out the, the fiber um, to use for like 1.5 generated ethanol. Um, and then it gives us a little bit different uh, um, feed product coming out of there and, and working to expand markets for those new online, new types of corn co products that are coming online. Now, what percentage of U.S. green products are exported? Obviously, it's an important uh, component of the overall uh, value package, value proposition, I would imagine. Yeah, and it, and it fluctuates from year to year. But, you know, like corn, just corn in itself, um, you know, is probably uh, maybe 17, 18 percent of the total corn crop gets uh, exported um, directly as, as corn. You may, you may have some years a little bit higher than that, some years a little bit lower than that. Um, but then as you, you start to look <clears throat> at the, the corn equivalent of our, our ethanol exports, the corn equivalent of the EGS exports and some of the other corn coal products. Um, and then we actually even track, um, well, you know, the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the U.S. Poultry and Egg Export Council actually do the work. We actually, on our grains in all forms, actually tracked how much uh, the corn equivalent of, of corn and of uh, beef and pork and, and chicken export products. So, um, you know, when you look at all that together, you're you're at about uh, 33% or so, 34%. So, we, you know, we say, you know, one in every three rows of grain planted in the U.S. gets exported in one way or another. And so who are some of those uh, those good customers out there for uh, U.S. grain products? Um, well, you know, if we look at corn to start with, uh, the big the big buyer to ourselves is Mexico, has been uh, our top customer, uh, short of China taking them over about, you know, it would have been three years ago now. Um, but, you know, a good steady uh, customer of U.S. corn um, uh, and has been and I think will continue to be our top customer going forward. Um, and not only is it a top customer, it's it's a growing, you know, the feed and livestock industry there and even the corn processing industry there continues to to grow. And so we see that <clears throat> that market uh, continuing to grow. Then if we look, um, second largest market today is China itself, um, you know, Back in the the 2021 marketing year, China was our largest 
foreign exporter uh, export customer even jumped ahead of Mexico that one year. So after that, the last couple of years here now, they've been our second largest. Um, <clears throat> and so even even with the difficulties that we see between U.S. Um, and China uh, and the government to government relations and, and such, um, agricultural trade is still a very is one is the one kind of bright spot we see between U.S. and China. You know, they're very big customers of, of of U.S. soybeans as well as corn. They're our largest export market for U.S. sorghum, um, and uh, <clears throat> and a fair amount of pork and beef and other U.S. agricultural products that that go to to China. So. Um, after China, Japan, which has been a long, steady, big customer of U.S. corn for decades, even, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, and they continue uh, that that market is getting a little mature and um, as, and is not growing and maybe shrinking a small a little bit every year. But it's still Japan continues to be a very good customer of, of U.S. corn exports. And you have the Japanese companies that are even invested in origination and export facilities here in the U.S. to make sure um, that they have the ability to, the logistics ability to even move those products to to Japan. Um, after that, uh, we have a, a, and it kind of varies from year to year. We'll see South Korea, Colombia, um, right now even Guatemala and Honduras are, are have been good customers so far of U.S. corn this, this marketing year. Um, and that Central America region is always int interesting. If I look at, you know, um, Guatemala, but if, you know, Honduras, uh, Costa Rica, Panama, uh, can even throw in the Dominican Republic if you want to look at the whole CAFTA DR region. They're all, they're all, you know, not large markets, but very good uh, markets. And when I add them all up together, you know, it's about four and a half million tons of total corn exports a year. Um, so, you know, that's not a significant, that's 177 million bushels of corn exports. And so that whole region becomes a very good, when I lump them together, becomes a very good customer as well. Now, obviously here in Minnesota, we've got a pretty vibrant uh, livestock industry. We also have a lot of ethanol production, but, uh, mm. you know, there's still uh, an important part of the bottom line for growers here comes from those exports. How much I guess I know you mentioned about 33%. Is that about a third of where their uh, bottom line comes from with these grains is from the export markets? Um, yeah, it's it's hard to 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 kind of pencil an exact number, but it's probably uh, a mark. You know, a state like Minnesota that has you know has big uh, uh, big livestock production, especially on the pork side of things. But even um, it's a big layer, a uh, lot of layers, and and other livestock that's fed very you know big in, in ethanol production. Um, and so that's, uh, but even the, the portion of those products that get exported as well, you know, Canada is our biggest ethanol export market just to our north. Um, uh, Mexico is our biggest DDGS market just to our south. And so Minnesota position one, you got the river uh, on the east side, you know, starting there in Savage and going down the east side of, of, of the state. Um, you have a lot of shuttle loaders in south, southern and western Minnesota that will move corn or soybeans or, and other products out to the PNW um, for export that way. Um, and you have some fairly big, you know, some big multinational um, companies that are based right in the Twin Cities um, that are big in exports. So it's, I, you know, I, it's hard to say for sure, but I think it's easily, you know, a, a third of that bottom line to those Minnesota corn farmers is coming from exports that, um, you know, they're a key producing corn state and, and 
have the access to by rail and by water um, to move their products out of the state into the export markets. It is that, you know, not just for Minnesota, but the, the percentage that is uh, exported, is that a uh, fairly stable uh, type of thing? I mean, I know you guys are working, you know, globally to, to facilitate types of things. Is, is that something that fluctuates or has that been a pretty stable uh, level? Um, I, and, uh, you know, it, it fluctuates uh, to some degree. Uh, I think overall, you know, if, if corn exports are down, maybe ethanol or pork exports are up. And so the, that one third kind of general number is that's that stays fairly co constant. Um, the amount of corn we export um, from year to year does fluctuate in, in part by what what is our production. Um, what is going on? Uh, and, and this this current marketing year we're in now, we had a very slow start to that uh, marketing year. When I go back to September, you know, we uh, we had very low water levels on the river, which was making you know, even though you have the access to that the, that river system, even up there in Minnesota, um, the very low water levels was making barge freight very expensive. Um, you had a very strong U.S. dollar. Uh, last fall, um, it's still relatively strong, but it's uh, it's come back down, especially when I compare it um, everything you know everything from the Japanese uh, yen to the Chinese renminbi, even the Mexican peso. It's it's come back. Uh, it, it's still strong, but not those those especially those top three corn markets for us has come back. Um, and we had you know had very strong competition from our predominantly Brazil. Um, in South America, but even Argentina. Argentina's having some of their own weather issues now. But And so that got us off to a fairly slow start in the beginning of this marketing year. Things have picked up um, since January. Um, uh, although now we're back, now we're at the opposite. We have very high levels of water on the Mississippi. And so, you know, everything, everything uh, from Davenport to Quad Cities North is pretty much shut down river, river traffic wise till probably mid-May. Um, but uh, so we go from one extreme to another, but uh, but it's it, things have picked up. But we're you know we're definitely going to be down corn exports compared to where you know two years ago we had an all time high record um, of exports at uh, sixty nine point nine million metric tons, just under seventy million. Um, and last year not quite that high, but a very strong year. This year we're going to be we'll be down from that. But it um, but you know we and again you know. The amount of where we are increasing exports of ethanol to Canada, and so uh, as we look at the overall picture, it's not all uh, necessarily down markets. Um, and, and I think we'll continue to see corn move, but we're we're definitely seeing Brazil and uh, become a, even a more uh, aggressive competitor in the world market. Um, and then just what happens in in the Black Sea region with the Russia-Ukraine conflict and <clears throat> what that does to Ukraine. Uh, you know, Ukraine's much more important on the on the corn side than Russia is, and Russia's bigger on the wheat side. But what that what that whole ordeal does to global um, grain price, you know, grain supplies and in, and thus grain prices even. So, what is it? There? How is it that uh, U.S. Grains Council does the work that you do in all those countries? What's kind of the the approach that you take, and how do you facilitate? those those sales and, and, and product movement uh well one we have people on the ground we have <clears throat> we have nine international offices and another 25 representatives uh, working in other different countries for, uh, around the world for us and in those key markets that 
one that are current good customers that we're trying to make sure we maintain, um, as well as growing um, and even frontier markets. Whether you know you want to look at um, parts of Africa or South Asia, Bangladesh, India, um, and so having people on the ground to interact with the buyers in those countries, as well as to overcome. There's lots of uh, trade issues that that are constantly either some that have been around for a long time that we've been working on for a long time, others that seem to pop up as new ones. And so everything from, you know, tariffs that restrict or, or uh, make our product more expensive on a landed basis and in a country, um, as well as uh, SPS, uh, um, sanitary and phytosanitary uh, issues, whether it's, you know, we've had to deal with, you know, fumigation protocols to get DDGS into Vietnam and Thailand and making sure those protocols get in place to allow, uh, you know, Vietnam is one of our top three, has been one of our top three export markets for um, for US DDGS and making sure that remains open. Um, just dealt with a, an MRL, uh, maximum residue level, um, just finally got that resolved in South Korea so that US corn exports to South Korea for the for food, uh, for the corn processing, the corn starch and sweetener industry. Um, that took us, uh, it was about a good year or so to, to overcome that. But that's, so they're just always things that pop up and having having our staff on the ground that can deal with it uh, in the local language, can deal with it uh, on the spot with, with help from uh, our, our office back here in DC, as well as our members. One, we, you know, Everything from our various agribusiness members, but definitely the 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 corn checkoff members, including the Minnesota Corn Research and Promotion Council. You know their contribution through their checkoff to the Grain Council that allows us to have those people on the ground to start with. We went we went without that support um, from the the you know the corn checkoffs in the different states, uh, the major corn producing states. We wouldn't be able to have those people on the ground in Vietnam, um, in Mexico, in South Korea in China to deal with these issues on an ongoing basis. So, uh, so that just overcoming those on a regular basis. And then again, you know, trying to find where, you know, where do we think um, there's new opportunities uh, for, for exports? One, you know, we're always looking to grow, but we do have, um, you know, as, as Japan or, or Taiwan starts to reduce the total amount of corn they import, uh, where do we, where do we go find new uh, growing markets or new markets that we haven't, Really been able to service at all, either because they're um, because of trade policy issues, or you know they're just emerging markets um, like a Kenya or a Bangladesh uh, um, type of uh, market that, <clears throat> that more of those frontier markets that that we're doing work today um, and have been doing work even you know the last three or four years that hopefully um, you know hopefully we have success soon. But market development is a you know, we're doing work today to, to open up markets three and four and five years from now as well. So I guess any particular, you know, focus for the year ahead, or is that always what you just talked about, kind of, you know, those, those uh, frontier markets, or is that well, the focus or anything in particular for the coming year? Um, I would say, and we're, you know, we've been working on ethanol market development for, for quite a while, but that's, and that, that, that starts to make things new. So we have, I have a, a very mature market on on the corn side in Japan, but we've been working um, and just got it. You know, Japan just made an adjustment to their energy policy that now allows 100% of U.S. ethanol to go into the ETBE. So they're using uh, ethanol to make ETBE rather than methanol to make ETBE, MTBE, and that's how they import ethanol. 
Um, and, and now U.S. can be 100% of that market share. Um, and so that doesn't guarantee us, but it, uh, the, the ETB is made here in the U.S. and then is exported. So rather than Brazilian ethanol coming up to Houston to make ETB, and so that, you know, that takes uh, Japan was a 100, 110 million gallons uh, ethanol exports uh, importer from the U.S., um, now with that that change and and not capping us at a 66 percent market share, that's going to make Japan a 200 to 210 million gallon. And so while they're a mature corn market, that's a new way, a new kind of almost. It's hard to think of Japan as a frontier market, but it's a new way to get our corn exports in the form of ethanol to a market like Japan. Even the EU, we're doing a lot of work in the European Union as they're uh, increasing their use of ethanol. We've got certain. Uh, member states or member countries within the EU 27 that have gone to an E10 uh, mandate. And so we're seeing uh, exports, uh, we've seen ethanol imports by the European Union grow, um, but we only have a handful of plants that are uh, qualified and registered to export to, to Europe. And so uh, we're, we're in the middle of a campaign to get more and more U.S. ethanol plants to be registered. So again, another very mature market that's difficult for us to to, uh, to export corn to, but you know it becomes a new and exciting market on the ethanol side. So there's lots of examples uh, that way. You know we've seen, you know we're, we've just opened up a new office in New Delhi to service that India market, um, and India uh, has been one you know, one of our top three or four export markets for U.S. ethanol as well. That's all going for industrial use. India does not allow uh, imported ethanol to be blended in gasoline. Um, but now we have, you know, an office and full-time staff to work on that issue on a daily basis. Um, but we see some potential growth uh, even on the industrial ethanol side um, into India. So it's, it's you know, it, it, and, and India has lots of restrictions on corn imports, um, but we're, we're going to go work and find a way to, to get corn into India in the form of ethanol um, and even working at trying to get uh, DDGS uh, into India is that that livestock uh Predominantly uh, poultry and dairy, but as their their in their livestock and feed industry grows, uh, and, and what we we see it on the horizon that India is going to become uh, are going to need to to import feed grains in some form or another, uh, as well as protein meals uh, to feed that growing uh, poultry and dairy industry there. So even though you know folks here in Minnesota are currently trying to get the crop in the ground, uh, hopefully the weather will cooperate. To, they can know that even though they may be focused on something else, that they have advocates working on their behalf across the country to try and get uh, around the world rather to get their products sold. Correct. That's 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 what we know. We we have boots on the ground, and um, you know we're we you know the, the sun doesn't set on the U.S. Grain Council. We we have people you know around the world. Uh, working on behalf of those Minnesota corn farmers and appreciate their support of us through the through the checkoff system and the Minnesota Corn Promotion and Research Council uh, and, and their support of, for us to, to be able to do that around the world. Thanks for joining us. Check out our other podcasts on linderfarmnetwork.com or on Apple and Spotify. Get the latest in markets and farm news daily from your local LFN affiliate.